0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We learned a lot of things this weekend. As a lot of teams played their first game post deadline. Well, maybe not necessarily their first game post-deadline, but certainly first game with the new pieces in place post-deadline. Some of the stuff we learned, well, kind of sucked. Some of the stuff we learned was kind of cool. And it's our job here to break it all down on Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday. Good day to you all. A happy new week to you all. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A HoopBall presentation. Hoop-Ball.com is the website. At Fantasy on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I taped the Oscars. Nobody told, tell me what happened. I know, it's in my backyard out here in LA, but we had a babysitter, so my wife and I went to dinner. Yep, that's right. Went to a place that the kid would have hated. That's what you do when you get a babysitter, once you're an adult. You have these grand plans in your head of all the things you're going to cook up. And ultimately, all you really want to do is just go to a place where your kid would be super annoyed to be there, too. But they don't have to be. Everybody's happy. Want to give a quick shout-out at the beginning of our show to the good fellas over at Hoop Ball Gaming. Dominant effort over the weekend. Ira putting out some plays on Sunday. They did a bonus podcast on Saturday. The podcast is called, of course, Today in Sports Betting. It is growing every single day. Literally every day they have more listeners to the podcast, which is the sign of a good podcast. Uh, been yelling at the guys to get a few of the audio issues sorted out, which, again, you know, listen, you're going to have to deal with that stuff. It's a brand new show. Things are things are working out a little. a few of the kinks. But my good God, if you want betting information that you can turn into winners, they're doing it. I think Ira went 6 0 on Sunday. Well, that's crazy. Devin and Ira putting out stuff for the weekend. Josh Milman, Neil Rochelani, those guys have been outstanding. So please go follow Hoop Ball Gaming on Twitter. Check out the podcast today in sports betting. If you've had any notion of betting on anything, they don't do just NBA. They do bas they do NBA, college basketball right now. Uh, they covered the XFL, which is the thing that exists. I was unaware of it. I don't follow football. Sorry. They did Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago. They did hockey, doing hockey. I think that's still happening. It's amazing. They cover all the sports. That's what makes that show so fantastic. We're NBA here on this show. Uh, but you can tell your friends that are into other sports, just want to bet. Let them know about Today in Sports Betting and hoop ball Gaming. Our Monday shows are a look past, back through the weekend. and Of course, then we'll do a preview of what's coming up tonight in a pretty packed Monday card, nine games this evening. But really, I want to go through the weekend, and I want to spend ample time on it because, you know, honestly, this is, this is a big, this is a highly relevant set of data points. What I mean by that is we got our look at some of these teams with new players Working into and now we don't have all of them. Okay, we don't have everything. Like uh, D'Angelo Russell, for instance, he still hasn't played yet. Uh, but overall, what we're working on here is the the possibility of large wholesale changes in what's going on with fantasy teams. It's a rare juncture during the season where you can actually find brand new players doing big things. There, there ha- That hasn't happened in a while. You see that at the beginning of the season. Sometimes you see that when long-term injuries strike. But in between there, we're doing a lot of sifting. We're like, we're panning for gold for about the middle two months of the year where you just got your, you know, you got your, your pan out with the microscopic holes punched in it for grains of sand and everything's falling through. You're just shaking it, shaking it, shaking it over the water and you're hoping that one little nugget hangs in there whoever that might be to this point in the season. I don't, you know, I don't have a great example to finish off that metaphor, but, you know, most of the other stuff relevant here is 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 sort of only relevant because of injuries. But guys surface. Nemanja Bielica, maybe you call one of that's injury-related as well, although he's probably playing anyway. Maxi Kleba, that's injury-related. A lot of these little things over the course of the year injury-related. Kevin Herter, not really. I mean, he was hurt himself, but not injury-related to the guys around him. Daniel Tice, that's one I think you could call a a true gold-panning find during these middle kind of clunker months of the year. But they're really few and far between. Who else? Larry Nance up until over the weekend. Norman Powell was probably one. But he, that was injury-related for a while as well. So now you get to this juncture that we're talking about here, post-deadline, where there's this cosmic shift in seven or eight teams, like quite a few, almost a third of the league had big shifts in where their fantasy values coming from. And so this Monday show, and really the next two or three episodes of this podcast, and frankly... Forget the fact that this is a show. The next two or three days of basketball games are going to tell us a lot more about what we should be doing here. But this show will give you at least our starting point. Let's start with Sunday. We'll work our way backwards through the weekend. Boston at Oklahoma City. Tight one. Celtics with the one-point victory. Daniel Tice made his return from an ankle injury. Played 30 minutes, had a 13-11-5, missed two free throws, and didn't have any defensive stats. But that stuff will come for him. We've seen it. His per-36s on the defensive stats are excellent. Seeing him back and immediately grabbing the starting center job and the Lions' share of minutes in this game when they needed his defense and versatility tells you again why he shouldn't have been dropped. Shouldn't have been dropped. It's too good to be dropped during just because he was hurt for a little bit. So a um, guy that should be on fantasy teams, he was playing his ass off before he got hurt. on the court Over the year now, by the way, he's inside the top 100. And he's number sixty seven over the last month. that's thirteen games. He missed a couple in there, but I mean these this is difference making stuff from a waiver wire guy. He's the kind of guy you find on the waiver wire that allows you to make two for one trades with your more established names out there. Otherwise, things pretty straightforward in Boston. same deal in Oklahoma City. things are very straightforward. Nolan's Noel's in a little bit of a slump right now. I would consider a buy low because it's not like Stephen Adams is dunking on everybody uh New will bounce back it's all about the defensive stats with him they've just been going heavy on the guards lately Chris Paul Shea Dennis Schroeder all big games in this one as was uh Gallo who didn't get traded and so that was again kind of a nice little note on that one Memphis played poorly but beat Washington on the road in a weirdly low scoring game the total was 240 on this game and it was 205 it's the easiest under of anybody's seasoned I think to this point uh John Morant big triple double he he looks like a fantastic young basketball player Memphis was a team we were watching though because there were some pretty goodly shifts in what we expected out of this team let's start with the the most important note is where did the minutes go Jaw still played his 30-some-odd minutes. Dylan Brooks played his 30 minutes. Jaron Jackson played his 30 minutes. Jonas Valanciunas played his 30 minutes. That stuff all stayed relatively constant, which we figured. The notes on this ball game that I thought were somewhat interesting, SloMo played 30 minutes. I figured he would be in the mid-20s. If he got to 30, he's obviously going to be a must-own guy. This is a must-own fantasy line for Kyle Anderson. And it's why I grabbed him in a couple of spots where I'm punting three-pointers. Uh, late last week. I think I mentioned that on the Friday show uh, that he was one of the winners of the trade deadline. But there are some pretty intense limitations to his fantasy game, which is going to keep him on a lot of waiver wires despite the fact that basically, and this is pre-deadline stuff, uh, when they rested Jay Crowder the day before the deadline in the three games since, he's played 26, 28, and 30 minutes. So it's actually trending up, believe it or not. But again, again, You know, there are issues with his scoring. He's averaging under 10 points a game in those three contests. Uh, About six and change rebounds. Somewhere in the neighborhood about three, three and a half assists. And oddly, only two steals and no blocks in those three games. But that stuff will always come around. Key with him is the field goal percentage is usually going to be pretty good because his stuff is right around the rim. He's a facilitator, a rebounder from the wing spot. And then big defensive stats. That's the stuff you're looking for. I do think... I mean, again, if you look at his last week, he's in the 170 range in rankings. I mean, if you put in a few extra steals and blocks in there, he jumps very quickly. So, I, you know, we we can talk these guys in circles. You guys are listening to the podcast because you want to know what to do with them. And I maintain, I think he'll be outside the top 100. He obviously got a big boost at the trade deadline. Now, going to get minutes in the 20s, I would assume pretty much every ball game as one of their better sort of ball movers and a good defender, he fills in admirably for Jay Crowder. They lose spacing to some degree. I mean, Memphis only hit five three-pointers in this game. Overall, a very poor shooting exhibition for the Grizz. Uh, But again, there are things that he does relatively well and certainly better than any of their other options at small forward, which are limited. Largely Dylan Brooks sliding up to the three instead of the two, or Josh Jackson, who, sorry, just not a good NBA player. I don't know why I said I was sorry. I'm not sorry about that. He's just not good yet. Maybe he will be someday, but he's not right now. So Kyle Anderson, not at all a must-own guy, but certainly someone to keep an eye on. And if you're in certain punt builds, he actually makes a lot of sense. Punt threes, punt points, those are two things that make him a very valuable commodity. De'Anthony Melton in the two games over the weekend, plenty of minutes, production, eh, not great. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Scored a total of 11 points, three rebounds, four assists in those two games. Did get six steals while shooting one for nine and then three for 12. I almost can't imagine him getting any colder over the last three games. One thing that works in his favor, though, despite playing horribly, really by all accounts, in three games in a row, I mean, a decent stat line against Dallas on the road, 10-9-5 with a steal and a block, but he's been shooting the ball badly, like not good at all in these games. And he's still seeing minutes higher than previously. You know, he's even in his worst game here, still saw 21 minutes. So, I, you know, this immediate mega jump that we all were hoping for looks like it might not be as plainly obvious, but he's not going anywhere. There's nowhere to go but up for Melton from where he was when all the minutes that went out have to go to someone. So you're looking at probably more in that 24 range for him. It was never going to be 30, but it was, you know, we'll get him from 17 or 18. He's at, By the way, he's at 18 on the year. That 18, he's number 140. We'll get him up to 23, 24 minutes. That's enough. And he's been slumping hard right now. So there's going to be a hot run coming for him, and it's going to be beautiful because it's going to have a crap load of steals. So I remain fairly confident. Brandon Clark... Uh, Really played well for Memphis down the stretch in this ballgame after being quite bad in the first half. I mean, they just, this is a sleepwalk of a game for the Grizzlies. Uh, Clark will be better in the next one. I think his arrows pointed up as well, as they basically got rid of anybody else playing power forward. So he could easily slide down there and take those backup minutes behind Jaron Jackson Jr. And he'll play some backup center. Behind Valanciunas, I know Jordan Bell and Gorgie Jeng are on their way and blah, 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 but I, I don't think those dudes are playing all that much anyway, and I don't think they want to stunt Brandon Clark with someone who's not a long-term solution. For the Wizards, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, both solid. Mo Wagner was wonderful in 24 minutes off the bench with no Thomas Bryant. Who knows what's going on with that foot thing. If you want to stream Wagner, you can probably go for it Likely not gonna do it. I'm just not convinced that Bryant's gonna be out for that long, and when he comes back, that'll put a big time dent in it. We did see that on a permanent basis. Wagner was very good earlier in the year. Percentages excellent, he can hit the three ball. Uh, but I'm I'm not a firm believer that there's enough to go around with this team, which kind of brings us to the point guard spot. Shabazz Napier is someone that I I, I feel pretty confident is going to have some stats with Washington. He missed all seven shots in this ballgame after putting up a bunch of numbers in fewer minutes in their previous game over the weekend. Uh, 21 minutes is not bad for him. He and Ish Smith pretty much split the point guard minutes. Not perfectly balanced, but pretty damn close. I mean, if he makes even two of his seven shots at 10.6 assists, and if he trends up which I have to believe he will, he's a guy to sit on for a few games here. I think, I, I think I'd think i try to stash him through the all-star break and see how this thing shakes out, unless something really amazing comes along. New York and Atlanta played a double overtime game. Mitchell Robinson was mega. Wayne Ellington got hot. Julius Randle had one of his better games of the year. Reggie Bullock had 21. Uh, Alfred Payton came on very late in this game. And uh, made both of his free throws in an unbelievable twist before fouling out in the second overtime 12 points, nine assists. Uh, that gave Frank Nilakina a few extra minutes on the floor. I'd love a good 275 point ball game. Trey Young, huge. I mean, for the Knicks side, you know, you're not going to go out and pick up Wayne Ellington. We were just sort of watching to see who might surface with Marcus Morris gone. And it seems like it's going to bounce around a little bit. But Reggie Bullock actually seems like one of the big winners, actually, since he's their main floor spacer now. No, to answer your question, he is not a nine-category value. He's playing plenty of minutes, but the fantasy stat set just isn't there. I'm a little worried about Kevin Herter. The minutes are there. Obviously, there's no problem there. He played 48 minutes in this double overtime game. Had 16 points, six assists, and a block with two three-pointers. All that stuff was fine. But DeAndre Hunter now is back to full tilt. He had 19 points, nine boards, five steals, three three three-pointers. He's been coming on, frankly, a lot harder than Herter, when he's been healthy. Hunter now playing his third game since coming back uh, from his ankle injury. And, you know, the steals, the five steals was a little bit of an outlier for him. But he has been, when healthy now, basically putting up similar numbers to Herter with poor free throws. I'm a little worried what happens when Cam Reddish comes back for this team. Does that chew up the rest of the minutes for Herter? Are you picking up on DeAndre Hunter? I mean, I feel like all three of those guys are going to eat from each other's buckets. And then we still haven't seen Clint Capella, who's going to end up doing a lot from a big man spot and just further mess up whatever shots might be available for the wings and guards. In the meantime, Dwayne Dedman seems like a pretty damn good uh, streaming option. He's going to overtake Damian Jones here, possibly by the next ball game. He had 10 points, eight boards five blocks in a three-pointer, and looked pretty damn happy to be back in Atlanta. Anyone but here. The DeAndre, the, uh, excuse me, Dwayne Dedman motto with relation to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to flip him out there and, and enjoy his very diverse stat set when he's playing decent-sized minutes, we have no idea how soon Clint Capella is going to be back. Probably at the after the All-Star break, if I had to guess. But you're putting yourself in a pretty good spot here with Dedman if you want to squeeze out a few streamer games. So put him on the radar for short-term stuff. Chicago at Philadelphia. I think that's all I wanted to talk about with Atlanta. Luke Cornett at a big ball game. Daniel Gafford was back out again, the ankle stuff. Uh, I mean, we're so close to the All-Star break, you got to be sitting on Wendell Carter Jr. at this point. Tomas Sadoransky is playing big minutes with Chris Dunn out. And uh, somehow Chicago, I mean, with 111 points, really only two guys had a pretty good fantasy game here. Zach Levine did a lot, but it wasn't enough because Furkan Korkmaz, another huge game for Furkan. Korkmaz has been quite good in a few recent ball games. He seems to have totally lapped Matisse Dybul, who played 18 minutes and did nothing. Josh Richardson doesn't look healthy, although when he gets healthy... It's probably going to be Korkmaz that takes the hit, although, you know, they found minutes for Korkmaz here, with Shake Milton getting the start and Richardson coming off the bench as well. So who knows? Maybe they find a way to, to sort of wedge Korkmaz into the mix. Glenn Robinson the played his first game. Uh, Alec Burks did not play. Things are going to get a little bit messy. I don't think this is. I don't think the Korkmaz thing is going to pan out. I'd love it if you proved me wrong. Utah, road win over Houston. They snapped their losing streak in the previous one and were able to keep it going against small ball Rockets. Jordan Clarkson had 30 off the bench. Mike Conley, another 20-point ball game. He has officially woken up. And that seems to be the death knell for poor Smoke and Joe Ingles, who can probably be cast back to the land of the waivers. James Harden, Russell Westbrook used up all the usage in Houston as expected. Daniel House stayed afloat with four steals and a couple of three balls. P.J. Tucker had nine points in this game, but the steals, the rebounds just aren't there. And now they've got Rob Covington, who's going to be fine. What do we take away from all this? It's possible that Daniel House is now finally healthy for the first time in a while. He's back inside the top 100 in 9-cat. Seems like a guy that should probably be owned in most nine-category leagues. There are certain formats where maybe he's less relevant. You know, the point nine turnover certainly does float his value a little bit. But as far as whether or not he should be on fantasy teams, I'm going to say the answer is yeah. I'd say so. Clippers blew out the Cavaliers, the new-look Cavaliers, and everything went about as poorly as you could expect in this one uh marcus morris was okay he only played 22 minutes big time blowout i would assume he'd probably log another seven or eight in the fourth quarter and he was actually pretty good 10 points four boards two assists three steals he took 12 shots which was tied for the second most on the team but again tough to know how this is going to look when Kawhi leonard is out there i haven't dropped him yet if that's the question keep it short and sweet haven't dropped him yet gonna wait and see Andre Drummond made his Cavs debut and was kind of gross. Seemed to disrupt things more than he helped them here. And that was kind of what was happening in Detroit, which is not a knock on Drummond. It's just, it's going to throw things out of whack. Colin Sexton wasn't getting the looks that he had at a guard spot. Uh, Kevin Love looked out of sorts. He only took eight shots in this game. Kevin Porter actually played the best game for the Cavs, but not interested in him because, frankly, I just, I don't see how the minutes are going to be there every night. And then the biggest sort of bad news of this, Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance Jr., neither one of them were relevant at all in this game. Larry Nance played 20 minutes, which is way down from right before the trade deadline. But the caveat, of course, being Tristan Thompson was out for those ball games. Even when Thompson was playing his 25 to 30 minutes, they were finding a way to get Larry Nance about 25, 26, 27. And down at 20, that one really stings. Here's what I'm doing, though. I'm hanging on because, first of all, this was a truly ugly game. Cavs got clobbered by the Clippers. I don't know what the plan really is. I know they said they're going to play Tristan Thompson the rest of the way. It feels nuts to play all four centers. I mean, this team just got their their chemistry got completely thrown out of whack in a way that sort of doesn't make any sense, although now we're hearing reports that Drummond might just opt into his deal for next year. So, you know, congratulations, Cavaliers. If this is really what you wanted, uh, let's wait and see. Let's let's see a, a competitive Cavs game and see what that means for the fantasy values of all of these guys. For Drummond, for Love, for Sexton, for Thompson, for Nance. Let's wait and see. Because there was a little bit of clarity happening in Cleveland before the trade deadline. Not in this one. The Jimmy Butler Miami Heat are certain are scuffling, which is sort of what you'd expect when a team is down its best player. And on kind of a tough road trip, Jay Crowder made his Heat debut, as did Andrea Iguodala. Crowder at 18 and 11 with five threes, two steals, and a block. And that might be the best game he has as a member of the Heat. You're going to see him get scooped up in a lot of places. And then people are going to remember that the Heat have 9,000 options on the wing and guard spots. And Jimmy Butler wasn't even there. Neither was Tyler Harrell. Kendrick Nunn took 18 shots and missed a lot of them. Kelly Olenek only played 13 minutes. Derek Jones only played 25 minutes. Iguodala, 23. Duncan Robinson still hit six three-pointers, by the way. If you want to take a flyer on Jay Crowder, that's fine. I just don't see how he possibly has more of an opportunity here than he did in Memphis. It's the same job, but he's coming off the bench now. That makes life tougher, not easier. So no thanks. I'm going to pass. With Portland, Trevor Rees had one of his good ones again, so you'll see him get snapped back up in 55 places, and then after he posts his next 6-2 and two game, then he'll fall back onto the wire. Overall, he's been leveling out to around the top 100. Good ones, a good one, two or three bad ones, a good one, two or three bad ones. Gary Trent's been playing his little butt off lately. This is, I mean, he's on quite a run. 22 points, four boards, four steals on 11 shots. Obviously, the shooting percentage is not a sustainable mark for him. Not going to shoot 73% in every ball game. He's not going to average four steals a night, but he's been playing pretty well the last three games in a row. Would I recommend a pickup? I would not. Can't keep it going when you're coming off the bench like that. You could very easily lose minutes to any number of players. Where the hell is Anthony Simons? Anyway, uh, Dame had 33 and 8. He continues his hot role. C.J. McCollum was actually not good and they managed to win this ballgame anyway. That's good for the Blazers. But no real changes to their notes here. Turning the clock back to Saturday, Milwaukee beat up on Orlando. That was the early game. No fantasy notes, really, here. Um, Gary Clark signed the rest-of-season contract, and he was fine, but he's not going to do enough to be fantasy-relevant. For Milwaukee, Dante DiVincenzo uh, had a quieter game but played his 27 minutes, so I don't think you make any real adjustments there either. Moving along. We saw Detroit post-trade deadline a couple of times. Their Saturday ball game, Bruce Brown logged 35 minutes, but really wasn't the point guard. Reggie Jackson was. And seemingly with Derrick Rose out through the All-Star break, you can expect Reggie Jackson to post another couple of, I would assume, decent point guardy kind of lines. And he's really the only dude on that team that can score, create his own shot at the very least. There's a lot, I think, going on with this Detroit team. Number one, John Henson had 12 points, four boards on a perfect six-for-six six shooting in 17 minutes. That's probably his job going forward, is about seven or eight minutes, maybe nine in a perfect world in the first and second half. Christian Wood, obviously he's locked into big things the rest of the way. Reggie Jackson actually has a path to be decent the rest of the way. He's going to have to try to keep that field goal percent high enough to offset the issues he or uh, that he normally has in that department. And then he'll have to keep the, the scoring, the assists and threes and free throws, I would assume, high enough to sort of take care of the fact that he doesn't get any defensive stats. So I'm okay with Reggie Jackson right now, especially with Derek Rose out. It, when If and when Rose comes back, and I think he will because he strikes me as a guy that if he's healthy, he's going to want to play because, again, I think he sees the sort of basketball mortality of all of this. He'll take a lot of those assists back, but then you'll have those two guys basically are the only ones that know how to go out there and get a bucket. Another name that emerged uh, for Detroit the last couple of games here post deadline is Thon Maker, who's, I've heard his name pronounced five different ways, but we're going with just Maker right now. Seven points, three boards, two assists, three blocks. He has a very high block rate for his career, which shouldn't surprise anyone. He's a very tall man. <laughs> That's some serious analysis over He's like 7 1. Very long dude. Last year, he played 29 games with the Pistons remember, at the end of the season. Averaged 19 minutes, 1.1 blocks. So he's up and over two. We can talk about per 36s. In his career, He's he's in that neck of the woods. It's hard to get a really good feel for it, though, because his minutes have always been so low, you just sort of don't know. Basically, any time this season that he's been able to log something in that 25 to 30 range... He's gotten between one and three blocks. Is the scoring going to be an issue? Hell yeah. going to be a huge issue. Does he rebound? Eh, not that well. Christian Wood's going to be getting a lot of those. At least Andre Drummond's gone now. So I wouldn't expect a ton in the rebounding departments. He should shoot the ball okay since, you know, seven feet tall. Should be near the rim. Does hit a three-pointer every now and then. Which, who doesn't in the NBA now? But block specialist. He has block specialist appeal. And so there's a couple of spots that I might sit on a guy like that. I'm not exactly rushing out, though. Dallas beat Charlotte behind 26 from Seth Curry. Willie Colley stein got the start, filling in for Kristaps Porzingis, who sat out the back-to-back and was good. If you want to scout out Dallas's back-to-backs, you can figure out when to use Willie Colley stein next. Maxi Kleba played 28 minutes, as usual. He should be good the rest of the way. He got dropped in one of my leagues. Really surprised me. Was able to snap him up on a waiver claim. Um, Otherwise, you know, when Draylon Brunson, he's been okay with Luka out this time around. Not as successful as the first go-round. And Luka will be back probably. I mean, maybe they get him in either before the All-Star break. But if not, I'm sure the game immediately following... So nothing changes for me on the Dallas side. Delon Wright, not trustworthy. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, you're seeing sort of the reasons that we we run a little bit hot and cold with him, and and generally I'm afraid of his fantasy stuff. Charlotte, P.J. Washington, played 29 minutes and did very little with it. Devontae Graham was good. Malik Monk had 19 points again. He's been really scoring at a nice clip, doesn't do anything else. Miles Bridges had 20 points, but the rest of his line was pretty empty in this one. And uh, overall, they just got beat up on again. I mean, we knew this team was going to be bad. They got off to a start that was okay because they were catching teams off guard a tiny bit. But they're just a bad fantasy team. No Zion for New Orleans. No problem. On the road at Indiana, Drew Holiday, 31-6-10. They're missing Brandon Ingram in this game as well. I wrote on Twitter, I thought this would be great for Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick. Yeah, well, sure was. Reddick is going to be good whenever Ingram's out because then the shots come back to everybody else. Simple as that. Derek Favors, 15 and 11. This was despite first half foul trouble. Obviously, he's going to do more when Zion's out. But again, 25 minutes is enough for him. We're fine with that. For Indiana, no Victor Oladipo on the back to back in this one. So Jeremy Lamb had a chance to cut loose. Miles Turner had five blocks. That was sweet. T.J. Warren came back from his concussion and had 22, and everything should just sort of settle into being normal in Indiana here soon. Brooklyn in Toronto, Karis Levert had 37, and I don't care. He's going to run hot and cold. Uh, They're reevaluating Kyrie Irving here shortly, so he might be back. I'd be surprised if we saw him before the All-Star break, but I wouldn't be all that blown away if we saw him after. Spencer Dinwiddie had an efficient one. DeAndre Jordan went big in this one, 15-14, three blocks, outplayed Jared Allen. And it wasn't enough. Matt Thomas is 15. Freddie Van Vliet's 29 and 20 apiece for Terrence Davis and Pascal Siakam powered the Raptors. Man, they just find a way, don't they? OG Ananobi still not very good. Falling off the map completely. Terrence Davis seems like he might be a pretty good fill-in while Kyle Lowry's out. I mean, they just keep slotting guys in and they're bombing threes away. Clippers were an interesting bunch this weekend, huh? Got blown out in Minnesota and then blew out the Cavaliers. Uh, Don't really care about the Clippers' side in this one. They didn't have uh, Marcus Morris yet. Minnesota side was really interesting because they had most of their pieces for this game, but no D'Angelo Russell. So obviously that's a big change where a guy like Jordan McLaughlin, who played 37 point guard minutes in this game and had 24 points and 11 assists, he's barely going to see the floor as soon as D'Lo comes back. Juancho Hernan Gomez started a power forward, played 27 minutes in the blowout. He had foul issues. I'm not super stoked with his fantasy game. I know I mentioned, I think on Friday show, that between he and Malik Beasley, I far preferred Beasley, and they made me look smart in one ball game here. Beasley had 23 points on seven three-balls, 10 a rebounds, four assists, and a steal. It's possible. I was actually kind of worried that he was going to be battling Josh Okogie for minutes, but they played both of them. They went McLaughlin at the point, Kogi at the shooting guard, Beasley small forward. Jared Culver basically isn't going to be playing much, presumably the rest of the way. They didn't use their bench very much in this ballgame. And so it seems like maybe Malik Beasley has a better path to value than we expected. That they're just going to cut him loose for 35 minutes a game and make him the number three option on this team. James Johnson was kind of the only bench guy that factored into it in a bigger way, and I think some of that had to do with the fact that Wancho was in foul trouble. Johnson got picked up in a few spots, and I am not racing out to grab him. And then the Lakers had to fight one out in Golden State. Sorry, there is one other game on the docket from that Saturday night. Avery Bradley had a rare big one, but the Lakers are pretty predictable. Two-horse team. For Golden State, this is why we've been going nuts about Marquise Chris, among so many other reasons He's got that center job at this point. Kevon Looney ain't playing more than 15 minutes a game. His body just won't allow him right now, and they have no other centers unless they want to play Draymond Green at center, which they can, but they're just... Marquise Cripps gives them this athletic ability. He had 26-9 and a couple of blocks. He's going to be great the rest of the way. Wiggins looked good in his first game with a new team. Kai Bowman looked good. Seven points, 11 assists as the starting point guard. The question is, do you think Steph Curry's coming back? If so, when? And can Bowman actually do any scoring for this team? To me, he, he belongs as more of a streamer specialist type than anything else. We're not Chris Mann. He's ready to rumble. Denver, winners on the road at Phoenix on Saturday. DeAndre Ayton played well for the Suns. He's been rocking along pretty nicely. Devin Booker, fine. Kelly Oubre, solid. Uh, Mikhail Bridges had a rare quiet game. He's been really good otherwise, though, but no real changes for Phoenix. Nice to see Ricky Rubio finally start to get things a little bit back in the right direction. For Denver, starting to get healthy again. Uh, not entirely there. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap back for this ball game. He had 12, 11, and 4 off the bench in only 18 minutes. Jeremy Grant still played 30 minutes, I think that's going to flip. I think you're going to see Millsap back in the starting lineup. I'm not sure. So for now, I would recommend owning both while we wait to see how this thing shakes out. Otherwise, uh, you're not digging too deep with this team. Sacramento blew out San Antonio. I will say the Kings playing a little bit better these days. Put up a buck twenty-two on the uh, old Spurs that have been fading a bit after a, sort of a nice stretch. Derek White, who had been playing well, has quieted a tad here lately. DeJounte Murray got hot in this ball game. Aldridge was fine. DeMar DeRozan had a down game. Foul issues. And you could blame some of the game's results on that, but not all of it. Buddy Heald had 31. Nine three-pointers off the bench. He's been running hot these days. Harrison Barnes, 25, in a rare up game for him. And then Nemanja Bialica and his voodoo doll just keep rolling along. And the Kings just look a little bit more inspired these days. But uh, again, we'll see. You know, they beat a Miami team without Jimmy Butler. They're being sort of a down Spurs team. We'll we'll see. It's a, a hot and cold team to be sure. And there is that ebb and flow element to it. Looking back at Friday, just to make sure we didn't miss anything key from over the weekend, and I don't believe we did. I'm fairly certain that every team played on either Saturday or Sunday. And so that is your reverse chronological lightning round. Opportunity to remind everybody that if you do follow our at Hoopball Gaming Twitter feed, our brand new, well, not brand new anymore, a couple weeks old, I guess, but still pretty dang new Hoopball Gaming. Again, our new betting division here at Hoopball. Please place your bets with our buddies at mybookie.ag. They are the reason we're able to set up that entire new division. Such an enormous part of what we're doing at Hoopball here lately. When you open your new account, Use the promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, and you get a 50% deposit bonus. T-O-D-A-Y is the code. It actually tells you, it asks you where you've heard about mybookie.ag, so you can fill in the podcast name if you want. Obviously, this show is Fantasy NBA Today. You can put in Hoopball if you want. Uh, but again, that promo code is the word TODAY. TODAY. That's the one thing you make sure you've got to do. And that's how you get your bonus. Again, that's mybookie.ag. They are fantastic. Please, if you're getting involved, do it with them. Take a quick look here at Monday, and then I'd like to put a pin in this one, see if we can get this sucker done in about 45 minutes and get the week underway here. I mean, it's, you know, freaking All-Star week, so we've only got games uh, through the first portion. We've got a big Wednesday card. There are actually two games on Thursday of this week. Before we roll into nothingness, the Rising Star stuff on Friday, the challenges on Saturday, that's a fun one, and then the game itself on Sunday. And the next game coming out of the break is not until the following Thursday, the 20th. So we will get a little bit of a layoff from games. Don't worry, we'll have short Fantasy NBA Today episodes in there. We'll talk about some general conceptual stuff. We'll talk some betting all-star things on the uh, Friday, Saturday shows. Sorry, we don't do a Saturday show. Thursday, Friday show, stuff like that. Uh, Then we'll come back and kind of rehash things and and get everybody set up. So don't worry. Fantasy NBA Today will persist through All-Star Weekend. The All-Star break, I should say. Tonight, Charlotte is at Detroit. I don't care about Charlotte, man. They are such a snooze from a fantasy perspective. But Detroit is interesting. Again, likely no Derrick Rose through the All-Star break. That's my assumption at this point. He could pop up, but it would blow me away. So Reggie Jackson should be fairly set. Bruce Brown should be decent enough here in the short term. Christian Wood looking good. Don Maker is the other one we're watching. As we mentioned in our reverse chronological lightning round, if he can continue to get a couple of blocks per game, the other stuff kind of becomes gravy. I mean, you're seeing it with a guy like Miles Turner, who's having, by all accounts, uh, a pretty disappointing season overall, and yet somehow he's number 69. He's inside the top 70 while generally doing almost nothing. On a game-to-game basis. But he's averaging two blocks a night. 12-6 and six with two blocks. That'll get it done. Not, not even the percentages haven't even been good for him. It's pretty easy to have value when you can hit threes and block shots. As we're finding out with a guy like Maxi Kleba as well. And his percentages have been better. Heaven forbid he ever gets a few shots in their offense. Kleba 124 on the year in 25 minutes a game. 86 over the last month. In 26 minutes a game, and that's generally been trending up, because again, the Dwight Powell injury, Kristaps Porzingis missing time, Willie Colley stein not seeing big run. He's got a pretty open door, but he's got to get the threes, the shot blocks, and it's got to be on good percentages. Otherwise, you no, know, the, the value can disappear pretty quickly. Anyway, getting off topic, Brooklyn is at Indiana. Not much to care about in that one. Um the Depot would play, so Indiana will be a generally full strength for this ballgame. Atlanta, Orlando. Orlando likes to slow things down a little bit defensively. They are better, obviously, than what Atlanta was dealing with over the weekend. Um, Trey Young playing into double overtime game on a bad ankle. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him sit this one out. I want to see what goes on with Herter and Hunter, and if Cam Reddish ever makes his way back. Also, again, you know, an opportunity if you'd like to stream Dwayne Dedman very quickly came right up here. Game over, game. He's well rested because he hadn't been playing much. Minnesota, uh, D'Angelo Russell is questionable for tonight, so we'll see if he makes his Wolves debut. If he does, that'll give us a much better idea of where the usage is going behind D'Lo and Cat. Is Beasley the third guy? He looks like he might be right now. Toronto, uh, again, I mean, you're in streaming territory. If Norman Powell or Marcus happens to show up at some point, or Kyle Lowry, obviously everything gets blown apart. And because they've been so horrible, Toronto has, with their injury reporting this year, not as a team. As a team, they've been great. As an injury hub, they've been god-awful. Maybe the worst in the NBA. Maybe they think they can just get away with it because, you know, in general... We haven't paid much attention to what goes on in Toronto, which is crummy, because they won the championship. They're a good ball club, and they have been for a few years now. But here in the States, we just sort of don't pay attention. As a unit, obviously, we in Fantasy World do. But they've been uh, everybody's been out indefinitely for that team. Siakam was out indefinitely, Powell, Gasol. They, and then all of a sudden, they just all reappeared. The only one we ever had a timeline on was Lowry's initial injury, and they were like, oh, yeah, I'll probably be back in like three weeks. And he was pretty close to that. Everybody else, Van Vleet. everybody's been indefinite. It's the lamest crap ever, and we just deal with it. And so the thought is, I guess if you just kind of don't think about it, all of a sudden your Toronto Raptors are back and playing again. You were like, I don't even really know how long that was. But they're back, so cool. Sacramento, they're playing well right now. No Rashawn Holmes. Sounded like he had a little bit of a setback late last week, so that sucks so hard. Because the assumption was that he'd play by the end of last week. And now I'm going to guess they're just going to let him go through the All-Star break. No reason if there was some soreness to push it. So that totally stinks. Still no Marvin Bagley. Uh, You know, whatever at this point. The other guys are playing better. Milwaukee, you know what to go with them. Utah, I mean, I'm telling you, at this point now, it looks like Mike Conley's ready to go. He's been a lot, a lot better. The defensive stats haven't really been there for him. But considering the way things began, the last four games for Conley have been brilliant. 22, 21, 18, and 20 points. He has 19 assists over those four games. He has 20 rebounds over those four games. Only three steals, I know. Uh, But 13 three balls, shooting the ball well, and all of a sudden he's starting to look a little bit more like the Conley we know and love. Top 50 guy over the last week with those big scoring numbers, good rebounding assist numbers. He's alive. And this is why you can't drop guys like that. I mean, he's been a top 50 guy for long stretches in his career. He was a top 40 guy for stretches. I know that there's this whole thing about going to Utah and playing point or whatever, but it's just not that simple. He's good. He's a better player than Ricky Rubio. Anyway, of course, that kills Joe Ingles, and we'll keep an eye on that and see if that finishes things off. Dallas, assume Pink Porzingis being back for this one, so uh, not a whole lot to pay attention to. I-, I might abandon ship on the who to stream for Luka Doncic thing because Rick Carlisle, he's he just going to use everybody. San Antonio, uh, can Derek White keep his head above water? He's cooled off a lot after a pretty good stretch. Played well for almost a month. Is this just a brief hiccup? in a better run for him, or is this a a long downward slide again? Denver, they're pretty predictable these days. Phoenix, also pretty predictable. I'm putting Mikael Bridges on the right side of the ledger there. Lakers, yep, not much to pay attention to with this one, although I got one more story to talk about when we're done with the Monday preview. Miami with no Jimmy Butler, presumably. I'm assuming he's sitting out through the All-Star break. Then it's just going to be a mishmash of everybody in Golden State this is a fun team to watch because we're learning. looking at Kai Bowman, Eric Pascal, uh, surging Marquise Chris. If Draymond Green plays in this game, what does that mean for Pascal in particular? Because it seems like they're more inclined to play Chris and Green together than Pascal and Green. But we'll see. We'll see. And, of course, one of the big stories from Sunday, Darren Collison not coming out of retirement. So the Laker fan over here, very sad. Would have been an amazing addition to the Lakers. Might have even had fantasy value in L.A., but he's sitting it out. And, Darren, I hate you. Can't believe you do this to me. It's a personal affront. My Darren Collison. How many times did I crow about my love for Darren Collison's fantasy game last year? Too many times is the correct answer to that question. Folks, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Drop that 5-star review on us. We'll continue to try to climb to new heights to the best we can, but the way to get there is for people to be able to figure out who we are and whether or not we're actually worth listening to, and you guys have been amazing at getting us to that point. A uh, few new reviews that I believe came in over the weekend, I keep uh <laughs> I keep wanting to to re- read these guys and you guys are giving me more than I can read. From the LWP All Stars, this one says, "Can't believe it's free. I'd pay cents and dollars, but no need. Dan keeps it free and easy. I'm a gonna win. <laughs> I love it. Uh, there was one that called me out. Wait, I want to. Where's this one that was? Nah, I can't find it. The hell with it. To, to quote Bob Uecker in Major League Two, uh, I can't find it. Anyway, you guys are incredible um tomorrow i'm gonna make a note to myself i'm gonna read through a whole bunch of these things during a portion of the show this is gonna be the tomorrow the tuesday show this is where you guys all get your fat shout outs for your ratings and reviews for those of you that haven't done it yet please take a moment drop that five-star review uh if you want to write something awesome i will read it here on air you can do it on itunes your friends itunes your coworkers' itunes Grab your mother's iPhone and log into the podcast app and do it there. If you've already done it on your own, uh, whatever you got, whatever you can do, we are obviously most appreciative. This was your Reverse Chronological Lightning Round show. Back at you tomorrow with more here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Again, big fat thank you for listening. Let's figure out who these guys are that are really going to clear the hurdle post-All-Star break. And please remember, be uh, – not post-All-Star break, post-trade deadline – all-Star break is this week. Ooh, can't wait for Saturday. But anyway, point is, be patient. Be patient. For instance, I'm not dropping Larry Nance yet. I want to see the next game or two. If somebody pops up that's crazy, I will. But let's not do anything too rash. And I'll try to tweet these things as they occur to me as well. So that's uh, one big reason to follow me over on the social media side. Enjoy your Monday. Talk to tomorrow.